Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. Welcome to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty, which for me, I have to say, is very much a trip down memory lane. So as I mentioned to my guest, in fact, I used to work for the same company that she's now working for. And um, essentially, this is a lady by the name of Nicola Helfet, who is the loyalty program manager for an online travel agency based out of London called eBookers. So before we get into all of the background, I'd first of all like to welcome Nicola Helfet to Let's Talk Loyalty. Hi, Paula. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Excellent. So, um, as I mentioned in the introduction, Nikki, first and foremost, I worked in eBookers myself back in 2002, 2003, and it's a long time before there was any loyalty program. So, I'd be dying to get into what eBookers um, does in terms of loyalty. And in fact, we'll do maybe a bit of background on the company. But before we do any of that, let's first of all get into my usual first question, as you know, which is literally talking about uh, my guest's favorite loyalty statistic. So tell me, Nikki, what is your favorite loyalty statistic? Well, my favorite one, and I double-checked, I think this is a US statistic, but I seem to recall reading something similar for the UK as well, which is that the average consumer is a member of 14.8 loyalty programs. Okay. And of those, they're active in around 6.5. Wow. So I think that really resonated with me, partly, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously a a loyalty professional, a bit of a loyalty nerd. So I do sign up to a lot of programs. Um, but I think even even in, in general life, I, I know that, you know, one has a tendency to, to sign up to all yes. sorts of different programs, all sorts of different things. And I think more and more yeah. companies and more and more types of industry are starting to introduce loyalty programs. And so that idea of the number of programs that people are signed up to, the number of programs that people have to sort of yeah. understand, get their head around, kind of get get the, the mechanics of, I think, when yes. we remind ourselves as loyalty professionals of all of the different schemes that people are busy seeing and busy participating in. Um, yes. It's 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 a really interesting one to, to consider. And then I think also on the flip side, there's that side of how many they actually engage with. And the fact that we, um, <laughs> you know, we're lucky if we're one of the 6.5 that they are yeah. you know, engaging with and active in. Um, yeah. And I think that's something that loyalty program managers will definitely um, resonate with in terms of trying to keep your, your members active as well as just, just having the members join themselves. Yes. Um, so I think that that's a really interesting one to kind of keep in mind. Um, mm. And in fact, I think I was, I was almost impressed that it was as many as that on average because... Yeah. Um, you know, that's still a quite a, a lot of us to be asking of consumers, but um, yes, it's, it's one that I, I try and bear in mind when I'm um, trying to communicate, especially when you've got changes to a program, for example, or, or yes. you know, the onboarding process and sure. thinking about how many other things our customers have to, to think about and keep track of. 
You're absolutely right, Nikki. Yes, and they're not just thinking about loyalty programs, obviously, either. So it's one thing to yeah. say there's 14 <laughs> programs, but they've got lives to lead. So so you're right, actually. I often have that um, very clear, um, I suppose, concern about uh, the ability to cut through and talk to people about something that matters to us, as you said, as professionals, but clearly is, is a drop in the ocean of their everyday life. So, um, so I like that one. So that's a great one to get started with. So tell us, first of all, then, Nikki, um, how did you get into loyalty? Like, where did your loyalty career start? Well, I, it's been a, a sort of slightly windy journey across marketing to get here, really. <laughs> um, and so um, I, I started off, my, my sort of first real professional job was sort of in a, in a very small company. Uh, we mm. were six people and I was the sales and marketing department. And it sort okay. of started off as more, more of a sales role. I'd done some sales experience while I was busy traveling after university. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, but I, I'd taken lots of sort of marketing options in my business degree. I always knew that marketing was a sort of more creative and interesting side of a business that I wanted to get into. So, um, I took the opportunity to build that into a sort of sales and marketing role, get some experience. Um, and I then moved over from that role after a few years to, I went from a company of six people to Sainsbury's, which is wow. our second biggest supermarket chain in the UK. <laughs> yeah. um, and obviously a lot of your listeners will be familiar with the Nectar program. And obviously Sainsbury's is the main partner of that um, yes. and now owner of that. Um, so it was a, a bit of a, a contrast <laughs> going into a big company. Um, and my role was, in fact, in content. I used to do printed content and I, um, I managed all of the recipe cards, the free magazines in store. Nice. Um, and I, I love that. And then when Sainsbury's stopped doing printed content, um, I was sort of needing to find another role. Um, and it was right before Christmas. There weren't a lot of, um, a lot of people busy <laughs> leaving and <laughs> leaving yeah. vacancies. Um, so one of the roles that was available was working on the Nectar program. Um, so, you know, staying in the marketing department and doing sort of targeted communications is very much a sort of CRM role, but yeah. for Nectar, Nectar promotional events. So I used to work on things like their double up events, their kind of swipe and win, their sort of earn, and, earn and burn promotional side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that got me into the world of loyalty and CRM. Mm. Um, so it was a slightly sort of random jump, really. It wasn't particularly calculated and planned. But um, I think once I got into the loyalty world, understanding yeah. how interesting it is, I think it's it, it's an area of business and of marketing that's got a really interesting mixture of the commercial side of things, of kind of customer psychology and the psychology of buying behavior and, yeah. and incentivization, along with creativity, with communications. I think it's a really great industry to be in, in terms of the mixture of different skills. So um, wow. I really enjoyed it. And I've stayed within the kind of CRM side of things. I, my, my following role was in the AA, um, mm-hmm. so the Automobile Association in the UK. Um, I think your American listeners yes. will know it as AAA is the equivalent, but um, there's some different versions around the world. Yes. Um, and that was working on on membership and CRM. So Again, there was the, the CRM and communication side of that, but very much with a loyalty element in a very different context. Mm. Um, so moving from supermarkets, which is very much the kind of heartland of points and loyalty mm. uh, to something that's much, much more, it's almost the sort of insurance side in the AA, as well as sort of breakdown cover has financial services and car insurance and things. So it yeah. was moving from 
classic loyalty into the industry that's sort of the hardest and notoriously most difficult to I'm create sure. loyalty because yeah. you know doing that kind of you've got a once a year once a year renewal cadence it's not something that people are engaging with every week and seeing value in every week or every day in some cases with grocery yes. Yes. Um, and and trying to get that sort of engagement with the brand in the sort of 364 days of the year where they're probably not interacting with you or you're probably not crossing their mind and yeah. for people that break down they renew because generally they see the value and also they have a good experience we, we were good at that yeah. but for people that don't how do you instill loyalty and get them when it comes to their renewal mm-hmm. um, time of year yeah. to want to re-engage with the brand and stick with us so so that was an interesting kind of different aspect of loyalty that built my my sort of more rounded view I think of loyalty as a whole um, and then an opportunity came up with Expedia Group um, mm-hmm. in travel, which obviously mm-hmm. is the other kind of really big core <laughs> part of the loyalty yeah. industry. So I feel like I've got a bit of a, a yeah. trifecta of grocery, of travel and of uh, financial services. Um, so it was an interesting and really sort of cool opportunity for me to then look at a, another very different aspect of loyalty with yeah. travel and um, and plus loyalty program which is the one that we have at ebookers which is part of expedia group mm-hmm. um and it was an interesting program and meant that i've sort of now been heading that up for about three years now and had a really great time in doing so and learning about travel and travel loyalty and um all sorts of great stuff Wonderful. Well, we'll get into talking about the program, of course, Nikki. And I suppose just for listeners, a couple of things I wanted to pick up on that you mentioned. Um, There's actually quite a lot of listeners in the US as well. um, So they may be less familiar with Nectar. So that, I suppose, for those listeners or anyone who's who's outside the UK, is a hugely well-respected coalition program. Um, So incredible expertise and very much run, I suppose, independently of the, the individual partners. So I can imagine you got a phenomenal amount of experience working for someone like Nectar. And as you said, then uh, into the insurance space, almost with the AA, it's um, it's less sexy, let's say. Um, and then obviously ending up Definitely. in the office. <laughs> so I think we share share a passion for travel. Um, I mentioned to you as well as e-bookers. I also worked in the airline business. But I think what I always loved, Nikki, about um, e-bookers was, first of all, I know it was the very first online travel agency in the UK. I was rereading back on my history um, and established what 1998 yes that's correct incredible and a couple of acquisitions along the way and as you said now part of the Expedia group and there's other brands within that group but I know we're only going to talk about um, e-bookers today but as I said certainly back in 2002 and 2003 um, there was no talk of loyalty um, when I worked with e-bookers and I suppose at the time it had come to um, literally just educating consumers about the opportunity to book flights online, um, which I know is very different to the business that you're running now. Um, and I know you also, by the way, inherited the loyalty program. I don't think you, you built it yourself, but it looks like a really um, clear and effective program. So I'd love to just um, maybe if you don't mind just talking through what the value proposition is of the program, just so that uh, listeners can get a sense of what eBorkers is actually doing in the, in the loyalty space absolutely yes and I think you know it's it's a really great program that I've been lucky enough to to inherit so um, I'm definitely 
uh, mindful of that. It's um, it's a really simple and really generous program, and I think that's what really makes it stand out in um, you know in yeah. the marketplace. And what really stood out to me as an auto professional is um, is finding that it was a great one to be able to take the reins on. So uh, our program is called Bonus Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's essentially got a sort of an earn and burn underlying element, and mm-hmm. then there are tiers. Um, so a kind of tiering proposition on top of that. So. Um, what's really great about it and, um, you know, one of the sort of main selling points, I think for us in the world of loyalty, kind of coming back to that uh, idea of customers having lots of different loyalty programs to have to Mm. understand and and keep track of. Um, I think it's simplicity is, is one of its strongest things. And from a loyalty professional's perspective, having something that's simple to communicate obviously is really helpful too. So customers earn a a sort of a a monetary amount of credit as opposed to being points that they then have to understand the value of and convert in their heads to a a monetary (laughs) amount. Uh, So I think that kind of we we, we do a lot of the maths for people. And I think that is something that customers appreciate. Um, So you earn as a percentage of your booking. So, Mm -hmm. um, for example, on flights, you earn one percent. So one hundred pounds on a flight, you earn one pound in bonus plus. Um, And we obviously operate in different markets as well across Europe. So in um, Swiss Swiss francs, for example, it's it's the same Um, in Switzerland, obviously euros for a lot of our points of sale, including Ireland, too. Um, so it's, it's literally sort of displayed right next to your, your booking amount of the amount you will earn in bonus plus is, you know, yes. two euros 50. And I think that that's something that is really helpful for us, um, in terms of having our, our members really understand the value that they're getting. Yeah. Um, so there's a 1% earn on flights. Uh, we do 2% on packages and 3% on hotel standalone bookings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have higher earn rates in our app. So 2 3 and 5% respectively. Um, wow. To kind of encourage our customers to engage on our app platform. And, you know, the app offers lots of other great bits of functionality that are really helpful, reminders and alerts and things. Um, yeah. So it's good that once, once our members, particularly, you know, the more engaged members that are traveling and booking a lot, um, get get the value of the loyalty program in the app. They also get lots of other benefits when they um, mm. when they engage with us on that platform as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no redemption floor, which is another really great part of our program. So you know, if you're booking three hotels in a row, you can take the earnings off the first booking and take that off the second booking and get the the redemption okay. right away, which I think is another great feature. And obviously, I, I know that that's something that we as loyalty professionals talk about a lot is the redemption. And it's that moment yeah. of truth when people get the value of the program. Yeah. Um, so rather than having to collect thousands and thousands of points to be able to eventually hope to get a redemption and possibly never reach that, you know, I think that often plays into that. The yeah. sort of six and a half so there's the six and a half other loyalty programs that people are members <laughs> of and aren't active in um, yeah. I think that's uh, that's often part of part of what creates that scenario so the fact that people can save up and we get people that you know making lots of bookings and get a really big balance and then they can book you know a whole weekend away in a nice hotel and it's entirely paid for um, yeah. using their bonus plus credit but you can also sort of see the value right away if you like um, and our redemptions are on hotel bookings um, okay. So it means that often it plays into that more sort of treat element of things. So you know, we often talk about the um, the reward as being it can be quite functional and just money off. But often when people are doing, for example, booking their their business travel, perhaps or a mixture of business and leisure, um, mm. they then want to book a really a really nice, you know, sort of 
five-star hotel for a long weekend perhaps um, and they can use their redemption against that and it starts creating a bit more of a kind of uh, emotional uh, value to them in that respect. Wonderful. Well, I mean, I think the first thing to pick up on is um, it's incredible to see that the um, the app bookings get a double on flights, as you said, 2% instead of 1%, and then 3 and 5% on your packages and hotels. So I, I always love actually, even when I work for clients, I love when there's a single-minded objective for loyalty, which is, you know, let's encourage people to behave in this way, rather than asking them to, to jump through too many hoops. So I think, as you said, there's there's a lot of um, clarity of thinking from the business coming through there. Um, and, I, I, you know, I, I can't imagine what the breakdown is. But as you said, I'm sure you've got plenty of business travelers and they might be tempted to book on, you know, just on the normal website. But obviously, if they're going to get twice the rewards, they'll go straight for the app. So that sounds super <laughs> exciting. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And it means we get a lot more engagement in, you know, the loyalty program encourages a lot of engagement from um customers that are generally more engaged with us as a brand and um, so I think that's that's really great that we sort of give more reward on that kind of behavior. Absolutely. And I suppose as you think through the travel journey as well, like it's it seems so straightforward to book all of your travel at your desk, maybe back, back at home or, or, you know, in your normal kind of working environment. But then I guess when you do get to your destination, it's even more important to have your travel agency on your phone so that you can, you know, connect with anything that you need to check on. So I can kind of see the longer term thinking as well, because, you know, there's a better service opportunity when you can be with the, the consumer because they'll always have their phone with them, obviously when they go. So that, that makes an awful lot of sense as well. And I know I did ask you, but again, for the sake of, of listeners, um, it is obviously an online travel agency, as I said at the beginning, Nikki, um, but you don't issue any cards. I know, even though it's digital, sometimes some programs do feel that's important in the hotel or travel industry, but I know you have tiers. So tell us about some of the, the tiers that you have. Yes. So on top of the basic earn and burn sort of side of things, uh, we have our three tiers. Um, so entry level is silver, which is when people sign up and mm -hmm. then they can progress to, go to gold and to platinum. Uh, and we do that based on the number of room nights that they've stayed with us. Um, so once members reach gold, um, they unlock some of our sort of first level of benefits. So we, we do things like uh, reimbursements. We use the loyalty currency. Um, to offer reimbursements for things like uh, luggage charges um, or some of their data roaming charges, things like that that they incur whilst they're traveling. Um, mm -hmm. So they, they can then get that sort of back into their account of bonus plus credit. Um, and obviously, because we work in a, a sort of currency amount with our credit, then um, it's much more sort of straightforward for them to understand the, the value proposition of that. Um, mm. So we give reimbursements. We also offer... Um, perks and benefits at our VIP access hotel program. So within mm -hmm. Expedia Group, uh, we have, and I mean, the number's rising all the time, but it's, I think last I knew was around about 6,000 global hotels and properties um, that are within our VIP access program. Okay. Um, and so, so whenever members who are gold or platinum tier check in at those properties, um, mm. they get ex extra perks and benefits. Um, so they're labelled on our site when you book them, um, and it can range from things like meal vouchers, spa credit, um, room upgrades for platinum. So that's a, one of our other sort of platinum benefits, as, as well as whatever the kind of value add perk um, yeah. that that they get is. 
where they're available, um, so where there is a, an upgradable room that is sort of free at the property when they check in, um, mm-hmm. then then they can they can get upgrades um, upgrades on that as well. Um, okay. So so we we also have some benefits in that, that aren't across all of our um, all of our markets, but in the UK and Ireland, we also offer a free airport lounge passes. Mm-hmm. Um, so once once members reach gold, they get one each year, and once they're platinum, they get two. Uh, so that means that they can also kind of experience some extra, extra mm. luxury, extra perks whilst they're traveling. Um, and it's a really, really popular benefit of ours and really incentivizes people to want to maintain their tier. Wonderful. Yeah, I was looking at your benefits and I was thinking, actually, yeah, before I had a lounge pass, like I really kind of dismissed it. But now that I have a lounge pass, I, oh, <laughs> you know, oh, yes. I give it up once there. you've done it, once you've done it, you don't want to go back. It's it's a yeah. um, a slippery slope. Definitely. <laughs> it's easy to get spoiled. eh? Um, and just because yeah. you mentioned the other European countries, Nikki. So how many countries in total is eBookers operating the loyalty program in? Uh, so we are in seven uh, seven different markets. Um, mm-hmm. We have actually a, a small brand that's part of eBookers Group that's under the Mr. Jet uh, brand mm-hmm. in Sweden. So we okay. have Mr. Jet Rewards as the program in Sweden. Okay. And uh, eBookers, eBookers, we're in six markets under sort of Bonus Plus as the loyalty program and under eBookers as a brand. Um, so the UK, uh, Finland and Switzerland are mm-hmm. our sort of main main biggest ones um, mm-hmm. but also we operate in France, France Germany and as you, of course you know Ireland as well of course yeah yeah and I was telling you before we came on air that we did a huge amount together so uh, at the time Dublin was the European um, headquarters for ebookers in terms of both the call center and actually just in terms of e-commerce and I was thinking about it actually again a bit of nostalgia when you were mentioning about you know showing the benefits alongside in that booking journey because I think again as digital marketeers anything you can do to drive what I know ebookers used to call I don't know if they still use this term. We used to call it the look to book ratio. Do you still use that term? Maybe, maybe more on um, the business side. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we do. I think we, we sort of have a, okay. we, we would certainly recognize that, but I don't think we use that terminology for it. Okay, there you go. So I'm, I'm showing my age now, but certainly, yes, when, when, e-bookers <laughs> and, when e-commerce was a child, <laughs> I think there was, um, yeah, there was a whole piece around driving conversion, which again, you can see the simplicity of that thinking coming through there um, and very powerful. Um, the other piece I really wanted to get a sense of, Nikki, was I suppose it, the, the KPIs. Um, you know, what do you measure in terms of, um, you know, the overall program? And what is it, I suppose, that keeps you up at night? <laughs> so um, well, I think um, probably the, the most important um, KPI that I, I look at and give most attention to um, is around active members, uh, okay. which obviously having talked about people becoming inactive in loyalty programs yeah. um, is, is something that um, is a, a really important one for me. So um, the number of, of active yeah. members within our group is, is really important um i think also probably the what we call transaction penetration so the number of bookings on our site that are made by members versus non-members very um, good and that's one that i think is is yeah. probably a more important indicator yeah. in terms of the business context because numbers of active members is very much sort of yeah dependent on a broader landscape of the number of bookings that we've got but mm. When yeah. you look at, um, you know, there, there's sort of context to that. Whereas when you look at the transaction penetration, 
it's mm-hmm. a representation of what the lo- what the loyalty program specifically is driving within that. So I think from a yes. loyalty perspective rather than perhaps a more commercial perspective, mm-hmm. um, that's a really important one for me. Um, mm-hmm. But I also look at things like just the, the numbers of earned transactions that we've got. Um, mm-hmm. And in particular, the, the number of burn transactions, so the numbers of redemptions that we're seeing, because um, as you know, as we know that that redemption side of things, that that moment of truth is so important when it comes to building that loyalty um, mm. and that re- relationship with the member. Mm. And obviously, you know, as we've talked about before on this show, um, you know, behavior is is being impacted, particularly in travel with the, the current pandemic. So have you done anything within the loyalty program as a result of COVID-19? We have. Um, and it's actually something that has been a really interesting thing to have to, to think yeah. about as a loyalty professional, um, yeah. and particularly in the travel world, like you say. Um, yeah. And there's been a lot that's done across the industry. It's something that obviously I think we've all been keeping yeah. a very close eye on in terms of looking at trends and looking at what um, what kind of different different companies and different sectors are doing as well. So, for example, um, air miles and sort of flights versus hotel chains versus OTAs, I think they're kind of different considerations for each area. So um, yeah. we have been looking to mitigate um, with members. I think one thing that I have been really mindful of, I think as a, a sort of marketing professional as well as a loyalty professional, is understanding not only what we do, but how we communicate it and when we communicate it. Because I think, you know, in a a time like this, it's important to think about the customer and think about what's on their mind, what's important to them. And I think Mm. my approach has been that probably in, in the midst of the worst of things. And I think in particular, when we consider the fact that we're also in lots of different markets. So, mm-hmm. you know, the crisis is, has hit different countries at different times and in different ways and with different yeah. levels of seriousness mm. um, to, to make sure there's a sensitivity around what we do and when we communicate things and what's at the top of our customers' minds. I think mm. there was a, a lot of, a lot of, pressure I think within the industry and and within marketing as a whole for lots of companies to sort of be seen to be doing something Mm -hmm. right away Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it depends on the loyalty mechanics as well of kind of some of the structures of the program that's more important to communicate more quickly Um, Mm -hmm. so for example with our with our loyalty credit each amount of credit that is earned has a 12-month expiry so people have points expiring or sort of credit expiring yeah. in 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 phases depending on when they've earned it. I think mm. there are some loyalty programs where there's a sort of rolling expiry date and your entire balance expires at once. Mm-hmm. So I understand that with certain programs, I think the approach needs to be different based on mm. sort of the implications of the structure of the program. So um, I think but for some of those programs, if people's full balance was expiring and they couldn't travel, they couldn't book, I think there was a, a different need to sort of try and mitigate for that right away. Um, mm-hmm. The way that our program is, um, for me, I, it felt like it was the wrong thing to jump too quickly where, into something that was probably not our customer's biggest concern at the time. I think, okay. you know, yeah. from everything, from every from everything that's going on, and you know, you obviously need yeah. to be mindful of the fact that some, some people will have, you know, been very mm. ill themselves. Mm. Will have, you know, have close family and friends that have been very ill or worse. 
Um, You know, is the fact that a proportion of their loyalty credit is going to expire and they can't use it on their highest list of concerns? Mm. Probably not. Um, And so I think it it, it can come across the wrong way if you communicate the wrong message at the wrong time. Mm. So what I've been mindful of is trying to take action when people's mindset is right for it. So as we're sort of beginning of June now, we're mm. coming into a time where in most of our markets, the worst of things is hopefully over. It, it seems like yeah. the worst of things is over. And, and also in terms of things like travel restrictions, those yeah. are being lifted a little bit. People have the ability to at least start yeah. thinking about travel and booking travel. You know, they might not be traveling for another mm. few months or another mm. year, mm. but um, but the, the mindset around wanting to start to plan to travel mm. to potentially go and see family it's becoming a bit more of reality now and so it feels to me more sensible to mitigate for things mm. like points expiring um mm-hmm. when people weren't, weren't able to make any bookings or certainly couldn't confidently make any mm. bookings without knowing what was going to happen what restrictions were going to be in place mm. um i think you know taking a look understanding to the customer that we see that you've you've missed out on something that you've earned and you shouldn't have missed out on because of what was going on and making sure that we mitigate that. So, you know, give them some more yeah. time to use that credit when they have the ability to actually do so. Wow. I like that, Nikki. It's very quietly reassuring. Um, and I, I haven't really <laughs> thought about it, <laughs> you know, in terms of, as you said, there's just so much going on for people. They might have lost jobs. They might have lost loved ones, as you said. So, you know, as, as businesses, again, it's it's tempting to, to jump in with them with solutions, but um, may not be appropriate. But but as you said, hopefully now in the, in the coming months. In fact, I even saw today I was looking at the Maldives are talking about opening up as well, which, um, you know, is exciting for me because I love to dream about traveling all over the place. So, uh, so really nice to see all of that. Um, and then I suppose that the last area I really wanted to cover off um, is beyond e-bookers, I suppose, just in general. As you said, you're, um, you know, uh, a busy uh, loyalty professional um, working and living in one of the most exciting, I think, loyalty markets in the world. Um, so I know you mentioned a couple of other programs that you're a fan of, just, I suppose, as a consumer. Um, so maybe just would you mind just telling us about any other programs that that you admire or tend to follow? Absolutely. And I think in the last few years in particular, loyalty has become, and certainly in a a market like the UK, that's quite a mature market in in this space, it's become really exciting because I think there's been a bit of a push from companies, whether they're revamping loyalty programs or whether they're launching new ones. I think there's been a bit of a trend away from the very classic just earn points, burn points. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of, I know you have a lot of discussions <laughs> every week about this and a lot of discussions in the industry about, you know, are, are points dead or, you know, yeah. is earn and burn just kind of dead and tired? Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't think it is, but I think that there certainly has been a sense of lots of companies wanting to do something different. Yes. Um, and so that's been really exciting because it's, it's um, brought out a lot of really interesting ideas Mm-hmm. Um, so people have tried to be really creative about the mechanics, about what sorts of things that they can reward, what um, what kinds of rewards they offer. Mm. Um, so I think some of the kind of more out the box ones are the ones that I particularly like, or those that have a bit of a, a, a twist, perhaps. Okay. Um, but I also do, you know, I do still like an earn and burn, and and obviously having worked <laughs> on Nectar for many years as well, um, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm particularly fond of. I'll always have a bit of a soft spot for Nectar and engagement in Nectar. 
Okay. Um, I think one that always comes up about the UK is Boots, um, just because yeah. it's a very generous program and it's very simple to understand. And it fundamentally is it's points, so it's quite simple. Mm. Um, but some of the more some of the more interesting ones that I really admire, um, I think TK Maxx um, have quite an interesting one. Their Treasure Program, um, okay. and that that rewards based on number of transactions. So it's not around spend. Okay. Um, and one thing, one thing I quite like about that, which I think a lot of points programs have, have a bit of a trade-off on is there's no sort of elitism around just rewarding people that have a lot of money to spend, okay. you know, and particularly yeah. things like sort of air miles where you have to be often in, in the sort of that top 20% that we know give us the top 80% of our revenue, but sure. it is only the kind of the often the, the better off and those that sort of <laughs> are, are um, less, yeah. n- notice less the, the, the level of the rewards compared to someone that's perhaps not in that very, very high spend bracket. So I mm. think programs that reward based on number of transactions, I think it, it sort of, it's a bit of an indicator of share of wallet and engagement in the brand. And it's also something that kind of democratizes loyalty um, Mm. a bit better. Mm. And they also have sort of, it's more of a surprise and delight mechanic in terms of the rewards. So you sort of have a selection once you reach a certain number of transactions, there's a choice of rewards that you can pick, but they're not sort of necessarily always the same or always going to be the same each time you reach that threshold again. So, um, They they do some some interesting things that, that give that element of choice, and they do some surprise and delight stuff. They sent me a mm. nice box of lint heart shaped chocolates on Valentine's oh, Day, um, just because. And you know, so there are yeah. there are nice things like that that they do. Um, so I think that's one, and even just the fact that it's the program is called Treasure, and it's all around treasure seekers, and I yeah. think that really links with the mind the mindset of people that shop at TK Maxx, which I have to confess I do a lot. Yeah, um, is that kind of finding something that's different, that's a bit of a gem that you won't find everywhere else, and not everyone else is going to have. And um, yeah. so I think that the, the sort of branding of that is is really cool. So I'm a fan of that one. Wonderful. Great. Well, you've picked up on a couple of ones there as well, Nikki, which, as you mentioned, Boots is one that I think globally is particularly well respected. Um, And as you said, it's partly because of the generosity of the programme. And I know it's a 4% reward rate on that one because everyone talks about it. But also, again, just because Boots, you know, certainly in Ireland was was one of our um, biggest pharmacies as well. I think it was just at the point of sale. There was such a great experience that every single person at the till would make sure they ask you about the Boots Advantage card. So I know for you guys as an online, um, you know, operator, it's probably harder to have that same experience. Um, but as you said, it's going through every single transaction. But I think it's something that we, we talk about a lot as, again, as loyalty professionals to say, okay, how often can we, we you know, remind these customers that we genuinely want to care? And uh, as you said, the, the whole treasure positioning of TK Maxx, that sounds like a gorgeous program and one I'll definitely have to check out next time I'm in the UK. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and in fact, the interesting that you mentioned Boots as well, because um, coming back to the app conversation, the Boots app on their Advantage card yeah. um, proposition is really a lot more generous than in store. So Ooh. over and above the, the, okay. the, the basic four percent earn, they do lots of coupons wow. and lots of much more gener- generous coupons. I find than the ones that you get just printed out as a sort of coupon until printed out when wow. you're in store. So I think, again, they obviously yeah. have that element of, of 
rewarding customers that are much more engaged with the brand um, wow. and doing that kind of app-based up-weighting of rewards. So Amazing. I think they do that really well too. Great. Well, I've learned a lot, Nikki, now, I have to say. I certainly didn't know that Boots did anything special in their app. Um, I knew you, e-bookers did because you told me about it already. But um, I really do like the strategy that you guys are, are using for, for the e-bookers program. Um, so I've certainly learned loads. Um, I think it's a very exciting journey that you're on. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to, to mention before we wrap up the show? Um, I think it's just... Echoing the fact that it's it's a sort of interesting time for loyalty, I think loyalty is something that we as professionals often think about in a very sort of transactional and commercial way. Because obviously we work in businesses where that's that's part of it, and I think it'll be really interesting over time with some of the new mechanics that are coming out. And I think obviously also with um, COVID and the way that kind of customer behaviour is changing and customer mm-hmm. lives are changing, I think. It's going to be interesting to see how different brands and different industries react to that and, um, and also how customers react to sort of the, the part that loyalty plays in that. And, you know, I, I always feel that there's sort of transaction, you know, we talk a lot about emotional loyalty um, mm. in the industry and you've got that kind of transactional loyalty, which is the, the very much sort of functional carrot. And then you've got that kind of, is that customer a true lover of the brand, advocate of the brand? At what point does that kind of mm. point of the, the self-actualization that is, you know, <laughs> somebody who is truly loyal to a brand, who loves the brand. Um, and I think that perhaps the way that a lot of brands respond in this current climate um, mm-hmm. is possibly going to dictate what the kind of next generation of true brand loyalty looks like. Absolutely, Nikki. Well, I mean, I think you made the point really well earlier already. Um, you know, it's it's not the first thing on people's mind, given uh, the pandemic that that is going on. But um, it's very important to be around when people need you. And I think you're only now going to start emerging and showing people exactly what eBookers is all about. So, yeah, I just want to say it's been super interesting and very fond memories for me, as I said, for 18 years ago from my eBookers days. Um, so just want to say, Nikki Helfish, Uh, Thanks a million from Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you so much. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training, both online and in workshops around the world through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 150 executives in 18 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out www.thewisemarketeer.com and www.loyaltyacademy.org. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like me to send you the latest show each week, simply sign up for the show newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and I'll send you the latest episode to your inbox every Thursday. Or just head to your favorite podcast platform, find Let's Talk Loyalty and subscribe. Of course, I'd love your feedback and reviews and thanks again for supporting the show.